had an interesting meeting this week uh, recently. I uh, talked with a man named David, and David is an audio-video acoustical consultant. And so we have brought him on board for the building project that we have coming up. Uh, we have asked him to help us to divine, design the system that's going to be in place in our new worship space, the audiovisual theatrical lightning, lighting, not lightning, that would be interesting, lighting system that we have uh, so that we can do anything and everything that we want to do with audio and video uh, and the lighting in that worship space. And so as he sat down with a, a group of us, some of our musicians, some of our leaders, myself, he walked us through that system. He showed us some of the schematics. He demonstrated the different equipment that we're going to have, these massive audio consoles that are going to help us to fine-tune the, the volumes and balance with, with precision, equalize all the sounds so that it's clear and vibrant throughout the space. Uh, these video systems where we're going to be able to use multiple cameras to take shots from multiple angles and then put overlays on and, and be able to really up our game when it comes to our live stream production and what we're able to do with that. Microphone receiver so that we can get all of the sounds from every instrument and every person that we want to and none that we don't, right? This video uh, matrix switcher that brings in all these video inputs from all different kinds of sources and then can shoot those to different displays all throughout that space in our building. And it was, at times, that meeting was overwhelming, but it was also exhilarating. I mean, just to sit back and go like, wow, it's so awesome, right? Can you tell I'm just like so ready to geek out on all this stuff right now? It's just, it's awesome. And as I was thinking about that, one thing that struck me or that I realized is as you're looking at all of this different equipment and everything that needs to get everywhere it needs to go, there is a lot of wires. Like wires running everywhere, all kinds of different directions, every which way. And on those wires, they are carrying massive amounts of power data, audio, video data, and it all has to get to its destination. It has to arrive safely in order for the system to work. And so one of the things that's really, really important for the system then is all of the conduit that needs to be put into this new building. That's what conduit is, right? It's, it's something through which something else can flow so that it can get where it needs to go. And it's that conduit in this building that's going to allow us to step into that worship space and to go, wow, that is so awesome. Do you ever say those words after an experience of your generosity? Uh, if you're taking notes today, the first thing I want you to write you down is that you can be a conduit for God's generosity. So when you sign your check to give to church, when you, when you push that button that says give on the online form, do you sit back then and go, wow, that's so awesome. Or do you go, man, I really wish I still had that money in my pocket or in my bank account? Or do you get a little fearful and, and you say, 
oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could really afford that gift. What if something happens? Will I have enough? And which attitude do you think God celebrates? Which attitude is the experience of true generosity? We see the attitude that God desires as we take a look at the words that the Apostle Paul wrote and spoke to the believers who were gathered in the city of Corinth in the first century. And a little bit of context, what's going on here, the church in Jerusalem had met some financial hardship and they needed help. And so the leaders of the Christian church, they reached out to believers in other areas, specifically in Greece and Macedonia, and they asked if they would collect funds, gifts, for the church in Jerusalem. And these believers in the city of Corinth, they had been eager to do so. In fact, Paul was able to use their eagerness and their commitments, he was able to use that to encourage the Macedonians, who then, they also responded with these lavish, incredibly generous gifts. And now Paul was sending Titus and some other church leaders to the Christians in Corinth to encourage them in their generosity, to encourage them to fulfill those commitments that they had made. Now, Titus and those other leaders, they, they didn't come with baseball bats. But they did come to encourage generosity. And that's what today is about. Today is about encouraging you in your generosity. How do you feel about that conversation? Excited for it? Maybe a little uncomfortable? Some of you are picturing me with a baseball bat in my hand right now. Maybe a crowbar. I really hope not. But sometimes maybe that's been our experience. And sometimes maybe we think that way. We we say, man, that that pastor, he's just trying to beat my money out of me. He's just trying to, to pry it out of my hands. I know he's going he's gonna to heap guilt on me so that I feel bad because my gifts haven't been enough. I don't want to do that. I don't have a baseball bat. I don't have a crowbar. What I do have is the Word of God. The Word of God that, that first focuses on the incredible generosity of God towards us and then calls for our generosity to others and back to God. That's what I bring before you today. And generosity cannot be about guilt. Generosity cannot be about shame. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And there's really two important things to make note of when God says that he loves a cheerful giver. 
It doesn't say a, a cheerful non-giver, so that's important. But it also doesn't say a fearful giver or a guilty giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God is thrilled when you give your gifts of generosity freely. And he wants you to be thrilled too. God wants you to know joy and excitement in your generosity. He wants you to to see those blessings of generosity as you are his conduit, as he works through you, as he flows his generosity through your hands to others. And he wants you to be able to step back and say, wow, that is so awesome. So generosity is not about guilt or shame. It can't be. But generosity is also not by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. There's a very practical aspect to our generosity. And so as Paul speaks here, when he recognizes that this doesn't happen by accident, it doesn't come by chance, he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Simple illustration. If you want a full, massive crop, then you've got to plant a lot of seeds. And the more seeds that you plant, the more opportunity you will have for them to grow and produce a good crop. And so Paul encourages generosity. God encourages you to be generous, not because he wants to take something away from you, but because God wants to grow something for you. God promises that as you are joyfully generous, you will reap joyfully from that. And it's not like a financial investment that's going to have a kickback that's coming back to you, but God promises that you are going to experience joy in Him, in your generosity. And last week we discussed the incredible promises of God's generosity to us, how He gives us everything that we have. And so everything, it belongs to God. As it comes to us, it flows through us, and as it flows through our hands— to others, we don't, we don't lose that. We invest it. We invest it in God's kingdom. We invest it in, in God's work and, and the good things that he is doing. And he promises that he will continue to provide for us. Look at this amazing divine promise that Paul points out to us. God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, abundantly, all things, all times, all that you need. You will abound in every good work. Like Paul is not subtle here. His emphasis is clear. God will take care of you. No matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance. God will bless you abundantly. And that's really important to know. It's good to know. 
Uh, let's just say that we published a list of everybody's gifts. Okay, we're not going to do that. Don't freak out. Okay? But let's just say that we did. And as you looked on that list of, of everyone's gifts, and maybe you saw your gifts to God's kingdom, and on that list, maybe your gifts, maybe they would seem small, maybe they would seem insignificant, and yet they would represent incredible generosity. And maybe on that list of everybody's gifts, maybe your gifts would seem very generous and yet actually be small and insignificant when compared to the way that God has been generous to you. And that's not a baseball bat, that's not a crowbar. It's not a two-by-four coming to hit you. Don't wallow in guilt because of that. Don't, don't get angry or upset. But use it. Use that introspection. Use that self-evaluation. Use the, the calculation of, of your gifts, your generosity. Use it to spur your faith on. To spur it on to, to greater generosity so that you can experience more joy in your generosity. Let faith trump reason and logic. Let the trust of God that is in your heart rule your heart. Because the only thing that's stopping you is your selfish, sinful nature. And that's been crucified with Christ. So don't, don't get angry, don't get upset, don't feel guilt, don't wallow in that guilt because You've been set free from that. There is a cross on which your Savior died, shed his blood to redeem you. There is an empty tomb that remains empty to this day and speaks to you that eternal life is your home. Heaven and the treasures of heaven are what you're going to enjoy for all eternity. So instead, use it to encourage your generosity and Paul provides some practical steps for godly generosity. He says to us, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Planned and prioritized gifts allow for cheerful generosity. To set aside our gifts, to think about them. This is, this is a mental exercise, a practical exercise. It's also a spiritual exercise. And the timing is important, and we are to set these aside first. Prioritize them. I'm a big proponent of budgets and, and spending plans. Because when you do that, then it allows you to do this. To plan, prioritize, set those things aside in your heart so that you can be joyfully generous as you trust in God's amazing promises. Let's look at some of the promises that Paul highlights here and what he talks about your generosity can do. He says that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
that it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of your service, others will praise God because of your generosity. You see, God wants you to take a broad view of your generosity. As you serve as a conduit for his, his own generosity. And especially as you think of your generosity that supports the work of the church, the work of the kingdom of God. Because your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. When we support fellow Christians, when we support our church, when our giving, when it goes to support things like soccer camps and mornings with mommy, when it pays for your pastor to be able to spend his time in preparation, in preaching, in teaching, in training the saints, and equipping them, and having conversations with people, and sharing the gospel message, the result of all of that is that more and more thanksgiving will be given to God. Will you sow your gifts generously so that more thanksgiving will be spoken, more praise will be given to God? And I want to start this morning. I want to start with that thankfulness. My own prayer. Lord God, I am so thankful for these people. For these people and their generosity that allows me the privilege of serving in this way. Of serving with your gospel, of, of proclaiming your good news of Jesus and your generosity to us. I am so thankful for the ways in which they sacrifice, they give of themselves. So that I can encourage them, that I can train them in their service, in their partnership, in their activity, in the ministry that we do together. Lord God, I am so thankful. I am. I'm thankful for you and your generosity. I'm thankful that it allows me to serve full-time, to take care of my family. I am thankful that your generosity allows us to support others who are training for gospel ministry, that your generosity supports families who've chosen to send their children to Divine Savior Academy so that they get God's Word in each and every day of their classes. I'm thankful for your generosity. It allows us to reach out and connect to others. And I want to be thankful for more. Don't you? Do you want to be thankful for more lives changed by Jesus? Do you want to see more children washed clean in the waters of rebirth and renewal in holy baptism? Do you want to see more guests walk through our doors and meet their Savior Jesus and know that their sins are forgiven? I know that you do. By the grace and mercy of Jesus, I know that you do. And I also know that you don't. Because I know my own heart. And I know how greedy and worldly and selfish it can become. I know that my own heart can diminish the value of human life and human souls. 
I know that, that my heart can neglect the, the broader reach of my generosity and the advancement of God's kingdom, and sometimes it will focus on my iPhone or my car or the brick and concrete and drywall that makes up my home. And sometimes instead of seeing those as the amazing generosity of God given to me, good and gracious gifts from him, sometimes I see them as the sum total of my value in this world. But my value is found in Christ alone, and so is yours. Your value is found in his cross and his empty tomb. And it speaks so much to you. Everything apart from the cross and the empty tomb, all, all the wonderful blessings we have, that's just icing on the cake. But that sinful side inside of us, I want us to hold on to those things. No, it fights hard. It fights hard to control your heart. It, it fights hard to, to control your wallet, your finances. And it has an ally and it comes under the influence of Satan. For whom the cries of thanksgiving to God are worse than fingernail scratching on a chalkboard, right? He can't stand to hear people give thanks to God. And so he's going to try and stop it. He's going to try and stop your generosity. He's going to try to stop that conduit to interrupt the, the flow of blessings from God, our Heavenly Father. But Satan has no power over you. You've been set free. He can no longer control you. Your sinful nature is dead. It's been crucified with Christ. And so in Christ and in his sacrificial, generous outpouring on the cross, you have become incredibly rich. Now, absolutes are really dangerous. But I'm going to use one this morning. I'm going to say that there is nothing but good that can come from your increased generosity. Nothing but good can come if you increase your generosity. I want you to think about that. In the Old Testament, God talked about a tithe. Uh, usually we equate the idea of 10% with this word, a tithe. That's what God called for in the Old Testament. And now in the, the New Testament, knowing that Jesus has come, knowing what Jesus has done for us, we are no longer bound to this idea of a tithe, 10%. More importantly, it was about the, the first fruits, the first of what you had. We're not bound to that. But do you think that God expects less from us as believers in Christ? And in fact, God also tells you to test him in this. To test him with your generosity. And so when we want to be practical, when we want to be intentional, percentages can be helpful. 
So again, this week, I want to challenge you. Last week, I challenged you. This week, I want to challenge you again, a practical, concrete challenge. So over the next several months, three months, increase your generosity. If you're giving 10%, increase it to 12. If you're giving 4%, increase it to 7. Test your God. He calls you to. And see if he won't provide for you. See if he won't continue to give you all that you need in your life. See if he won't take care of you. Go for it. Joyfully. To experience generosity as his blessings flow through you to others. And as you can celebrate that thanksgiving to God. And we can say, as Paul did, thanks be to God for his incredible gift. You see, God has made you a big, essential part of his generosity system. You are the conduit through which his generosity flows to others. Let's celebrate that. Let's be prepared to sit back and say, wow, that's so awesome. As we reflect on how our generosity brings thanksgiving to God. Because in Christ Jesus, he has abundantly blessed you so that you too can be abundantly generous.